Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on where you are, what time you are listening to this. My name is Winston, and today we have an amazing guest. I'm so happy and delighted he agreed to, to be on Andre of uh, that I He's a co-founder of that company and someone who I follow on LinkedIn, someone who I admire greatly um, because of how practical his his advice is around ABM, which we'll get into later on this podcast. So, Andre, it's good to have you. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Super excited to be your second guest. Awesome. So, before we get started, Andre, let me just tell the people a bit about your background so they know how awesome you are. So, he's actually held positions as Aerosales Manager, as well as Account Manager, and marketing director for several companies in the past, and also serial entrepreneur, started several farm ventures, um, including the ROI plan, and most recently, as I mentioned, FullFunnel.io, um, that helps B2B companies grow that has a long and complex sales cycle. So in this conversation, really, Andre, the purpose is twofold, because one of the reasons why I wanted to, to start this podcast in particular, the Revenue Alignment Podcast, is really one of the biggest challenges that marketers have is how to prove their value to the organization and really how to better align with, with other um, revenue functions within the company. So I wanted to bring on experts such as yourself who can touch a bit more on that. But before we get into that conversation, Andre, why don't you just share a bit of your background, how you got started to, to where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. I believe we, can't, we can avoid long presentation because <laughs> what, what listeners, this is not why they're listening to your podcast. But just to give you an idea, I, I'm in, this is my 16 year in B2B marketing and sales. So I started my career as a sales rep and the first five years I spent in sales and then switched to marketing. And now is the most interesting thing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, one person reached me out on LinkedIn and asked, you know what, I'm following you on LinkedIn. I love your advice on account-based marketing. And I have a question. Where did you learn account-based marketing? And I said, you know what, when I switched to, mar uh, to marketing from sales, our market was limited to 50 accounts in total. So I had no other chances than doing account-based marketing. So I learned it the hard way. And that time when I was doing it, there wasn't HubSpot, there wasn't Salesforce, there weren't simply these well-known marketing vendors, they simply didn't exist. So all we were doing is just doing what makes sense to generate opportunities, to land opportunities with strategic accounts, uh, leveraging our creativity, our background, doing the appropriate account research, personalizing our outreach and offer. And this is what account-based marketing stands for. So the software came years later and it just helps you to refine the processes but not replaces the processes. So in 2013, I launched, I uh, switched from my day job and uh, launched my first company called GetLeader, which was rebranded to fullfinal.io a year ago, as you mentioned. And yeah, super excited to chat with you about all things related to account-based marketing. Awesome. Uh, and you mentioned something I just want to touch on very quickly. 
uh, that you know back in the day when when you were doing marketing and sales, there there weren't any software technology, which is the same thing for me. You know, back in the day when I got started, it was you know sales for us was you you create a prospecting list and you go there and whether you make um, cold calls or emails or show up at people's offices and try to get that meeting. Um, you know that's that's how it was done back in the day. Um, but even this morning, I was on your your webinar with Andy Culligan, which definitely was a great session. I enjoyed it. And a lot of marketers were asking about ABM technology. Um, do you think there's sort of a dependency right now on, on, on ABM technology or just marketing technology on a whole to help marketers get results? Do you think it, it helps them or it actually hinders them from getting results? I love this question. But uh, let's be honest. Um, ABM as a marketing direction was popularized by Terminus probably three or four years ago, right? So before this, nobody, if you'll take a look at Google searches and Google trends, you'll see that uh, the search for ABM was really low five years ago, for example. So they popularized it. And of course, from marketing perspective, I completely understand it. They must sell their software. They must sell their product. And not only them, all other ABM vendors, they did this. So they started educating market, which is good. Of course, they produced lots of content, articles, eBooks, webinars, conferences, etc. But the biggest problem here that the majority of marketers started to learn about ABM from these resources, and they tended to think that ABM is all about purchasing software and then running display ads and then doing some outbound. So ABM basically is a fancy name for display ads, display advertising plus outbound. That's pretty it. So in this case, and I don't say that you shouldn't be doing display ads or shouldn't be doing outbound, but these ju just are parts of ABM operations because the most important is how you build your account list, how you define your ideal customer profile. Are you aligned if you are a marketer? Are you aligned with sales, right? Uh, does the uh, sales agree with your account list qualification criteria? And also, uh, there is one more thing, because in most cases, marketing don't have this, let's say, enough credibility from sales. So in this case, they become order takers. So sales basically are coming and saying, hey, guys, this is a wish list of accounts, and now your goal with your fancy ABM generating opportunities with, with these accounts because everybody wants to have Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Adobe as their clients. But the truth is, if you are going just to prospect logos that have zero intent in to buy your product or service, then you are definitely going to fail. So that's the huge problem. Now you need to realize that in ABM, software is... Generally, in marketing, software will be always secondary. The first is fundamental knowledge and the fundamental things, which unfortunately, lots of marketers tend to skip because it's uh, it doesn't sound so sexy. It doesn't, you know, help you to be advanced marketer. It's way it's way more beneficial to say, hey, I am a customer of this vendor or whatever, because they 
tend to think that it makes them advanced. And uh, nobody wants to spend a lot of time in really nailing the account list, in doing this account research to find this specific feed and then personalizing your complete campaign to this specific account. But these are the most important skills. And unfortunately, uh, about these topics, nobody almost nobody is talking about you know that's why and now we see the clear problem if nobody is talking about this and the majority and the uh, most of marketers are consuming content from these martech vendors now they have a knowledge gap and that's that's the problem so in most cases they simply even if they understand that should be done in most cases they don't know how to do it even you won't believe but quite often I'm discussing ideal customer profile, which is basic, which is like a must thing for any given B2B marketing company or B2B company in general, not marketing. So this is mandatory. And the majority of companies have zero understanding of their ideal customers. Usually they answer with something. My ICP are startups from North America and that's it. And when you define your ICP that way, right. Doesn't matter what you'll be doing, ABM, demand generation, you can do whatever you want, but your marketing is doomed. Right. There, there are so many things I want to unpack from, from everything that you just said, Andre. Thanks for that very detailed explanation. The first of which, how, how would you go about defining ICP? Because I, I see the same thing as well. When you ask people, hey, um, who's your ideal customer? I say, well, um, well, I, I mostly would be to be tech company. So they'll tell me, well, we, we operate in the finance, manufacturing, um, government space, you know, aviation. And I say, well, okay, but what, what does that look like? So for you, how would you advise marketers go about defining the ICP to really make sense? Absolutely. So ICP is a list of criteria that you can collect from your best customers from one specific vertical, from one specific industry. And then you can, you can easily apply this criteria to build a list of strategic accounts for your ABM programs. So let's say, let's, uh, let's discuss uh, the details of ICP development. Uh, as you said, in majority of cases, you hear something like, you hear a broad definition, usually companies um, say a broad targeting like startups from North America, then they say something like, oh, we can target SaaS companies. Usually they also mention the team size and revenue size, and that's it. And you end up with thousands of thousands companies, which ended today called a junk. And you need to clean that junk, right? So the, the goal of ICP is basically you have two parts. You have uh, company or account data and you have buying committee data, which must be clear because nobody is talking about the second part. So when it comes to account data, you have indeed, you have the standard criteria. So let's say it could be 
uh, geographical markets, uh, verticals, but you need to mention the precise. So as I said, ICP is developed for one specific vertical. So if you are prospecting several verticals, then you'll have different ICPs. That's the first thing. And right. one of the most common mistakes because all customers were not created equal and all of them have different needs and you can't mix them. This is the most common mistakes companies are doing. So the next one is defining the most lucrative sub-verticals or sub-segments. So let's say at full funnel, we can say that we are, our ICP is B2B companies with long and complex sales cycles and usually the and high ACV, average contract value, right? So the target markets are US, Canada, Benelux, so which stands for Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg, and Scandinavia, so Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland. Next, this is still a pro definition, right? We need to know, we need to understand where is our sweet spot, what sub-verticals generate more revenue and where we have the most success, uh, uh, where we have the most successful case studies, right? So in our case, these are high-ticket hardware production. Now we narrow down our focus. Next one is enterprise fintech software. And next one is high-ticket IT professional services like cybersecurity uh, and all related services like software development, DevOps, etc. So now we have three clear verticals, right? And then we nail down it to specific um, criteria as uh, standard ones, of course, like team size, etc. But the most important part here is also non-standard criteria. And in our case, just to give you an idea, so in our case, non-standard criteria could be, uh, not could be, these are our real <laughs> non-standard <laughs> criteria. So these are the maturity of marketing team, which means, uh, again, we can dive deeply if you want, but it means uh, how advanced are in their marketing. So if their marketing is limited just to Google AdWords and search engine optimization, or they're doing some advanced campaigns. Next one is the number of case publicly available case studies. Do they have case studies? detailed case studies, not just generic, you know, testimonials. Hey, this vendor is fantastic. I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah. So this is, these are the things that we are looking at. Also, the age of founder of that company, or if it's mid-size uh, account, then we look at as well at how many years this person spent in marketing or in sales, depending on who is reaching out to us or who we are prospecting. So these are let's say this criteria. Next is uh, the disqualification criteria, which is must for ICP. So you know that these accounts definitely are wrong fit. They could fit, you know, this basic thermographic data, but uh, that, then you need to disqualify them with this criteria. In our case, if company is selling a low ticket, so something like under $500 per month, that's a low ticket. We define at least this product as low right. ticket and this company makes no sense for us. Then some, uh, again, bad reviews, definitely disqualification. So if we do analysis and we see bad reviews, we definitely disqualify this account. And bad reviews, not only on G2 Crowd, let's say on Captera, but also reviews by, by their 
uh, team members or past employees, you know, so that's also the key that we are looking at. Just to give you an idea. So this is the essential part of ACP. Next one is the buying committee. And uh, in most cases, people don't talk about it. But if you want to, because we are not selling to companies, we are selling to specific people in these companies, right? right, right. You are not selling to, to a random Microsoft or whatever. You are selling to John Doe from Microsoft. So we need to understand four critical roles. Who is an influencer or researcher in, in our typical account? Who is the decision maker? Who is the influencer? And influencer is a person who doesn't take part in negotiations, doesn't attend calls with you. But basically, this is a person whose opinion uh, other members of buying committee are asking during in-house meetings when they are evaluating your offer or discussing different alternatives, right? And these people can influence your deal. And finally, blockers, uh, departments of people who might not be interested in implementing your solution. So these are critical points and many people ignore this and then they fail with ICP. I will give you one practical idea. So let's say if you, let's take our precise example, software development company, right? In their case, they say that our, let's say, target persona is CTO. But in most cases, if you are selling to enterprise or mid-size, CTO would be blocker. And you know why? Just because CTO, in most cases, they want to grow their team because the more developers they have, the more they satisfy their own ego. They can add a fancy title, VP of IT, VP of everything, you know, VP of everything in product development, etc. And they're interested in spending more budget and doing some team up, meetups, etc. And even if you can provide a better skill set, they won't be interested because in big companies, I, I will be a little bit generalizing, but in most cases, nobody is really counting the budget, you know, and nobody is asking to prove the ROI of every dollar that was spent on product development. And it's hard to prove. We all know that product development is like a kind of area uh, which is called fog of, of product development. You won't be able to prove or somehow discuss the costs. So that, that, that's the problem. And uh, most companies don't simply understand this. That's why ICP uh, stands for two parts, the account data and then the buying committee structure. And when you nail it, you have a clear understanding of how your ideal account should look like. And when you have it, you can just simply apply the criteria and find the companies that fit this criteria. And the next step, obviously, finding the fit, which um, moves us to the second step uh, in ABM programs, and it's account research. So the goal is to validate if this account has a need at all because if account fits ICP but has zero intent or zero interest in purchasing a product or service like yours, then you are going to waste your time, right? Right. <laughs> I wish I wish we had a whole lot of time because I think that's this might need to be a two-part podcast because there's so much value that you're you're delivering right now, Andrew, and I appreciate it. And it's funny because just in the first two answers you gave. You talked about so many things that are important, but yet most marketers tend to overlook. And, uh, you know, which, which segues into my, my next question. Um, we, we see the new popular trend right now being that 
um, oh, CEOs don't get marketing and, you know, don't work for a CEO that doesn't get marketing. Um, or if your CEO doesn't get marketing, then you should leave your job, um, which I, I do not recommend. But here's, here's what I've seen from my perspective or my end, and probably you can share your perspective as well, is whenever, or, or should I say, I've been speaking with marketers at every level over the last three, four years. So from entry level all the way to head of marketing, whether that may be a CMO or a VP of marketing. And one of the common things I realized when I asked them, well, um, what marketing um, tactics or, 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 or initiatives are you um, executing and how do you actually measure those initiatives, first of all? And then secondly, how do you ensure that you're exact, they're actually driving business outcomes? Like, what are the things you're looking at? What are the things you're measuring? And these are the common responses I typically hear. Brand awareness. Um, we want to build brand affinity, engagement, or followers, um, you know, website traffic. So there are all these things they're talking about that they want to measure. But then I would say to them, but yeah, th those are marketing metrics. A CEO doesn't care about marketing metrics. Um, so how can you on one breath say that CEOs don't get marketing, but then you're failing to demonstrate and communicate your value within the organization? So I want you to just share your thoughts around that simple comment. And also, how can marketers really demonstrate their value um, to the CEOs of their companies? Um, first of all, here is a brutal truth and an unpopular opinion. CEOs shouldn't get marketing because they could have completely different background. They could have a product background that could come from sales, from client success, whatever. They were technicians, let's say, on a business level, right? They did a good job. They got some network and they actually found an opportunity to launch their own business or they came with product idea. They invested their own money or raised money, doesn't matter. So they took the risk. And now their goal to expand that business. And that's why they're hiring marketers, right? And they that's absolutely normal because first of all, marketing is not, and especially B2B marketing is not taught at school, uh, at schools. Right. And right. secondly, uh, they somehow built a business. So we can't say they don't get marketing at all. If they have a business which is going and going, right? And somehow growing or at least not falling down, they get marketing. But at specific points, they or maybe the not their knowledge is limited. And now your goal, they are hiring you, right? Because they want to grow their business. The only one metric every exec is carrying, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, it's revenue. You're not wrong. <laughs> Everybody is carrying about revenue and they are hiring you and they do investment not just because they want to have more linkedin page followers more visitors to their website more people that downloading your ebook more people that are signing up for your webinar <clears throat> more people that are liking recent press release 
but they are making investment and they want to get ROI. So they want to get return on their investment. The same like we are talking about ROI and marketing, right? We, right? we are talking that marketing campaigns should generate ROI and the same for executives, they invest in you. And now your goal, if you... <clears throat> Uh, if you know that there is a limitation of knowledge or knowledge gap inside the company, that's your goal to fulfill this gap and explain everybody. The problem with most marketers is that they indeed they are doing a job. They they are coming, you know, they are coming and saying, "Hey, I want to do more print awareness." Then they hear two questions: How many? How much money do you need? And what's the ROI? So if you are not able to answer these two simple questions, they are really simple, then you'll never get approved for your budget. You'll never get approved. And the problem is that then these marketers are coming back to Twitter or LinkedIn and posting, hey, my CEO doesn't get marketing <laughs> asked to, for, I don't know, 50K budget to spend on print awareness or demand generation, and he or she didn't approve it. So what should I do? And everybody says, yeah, leave this company, leave this company. But yeah, they don't the get problem, marketing. <laughs> yeah, the problem is that you'll be dealing with this problem everywhere. Exactly. Everywhere. And all you need to do is create a detailed playbook a detailed program which will explain why you need to do the brand awareness, how it's going to help you, what's the goal of this program, how sales could leverage it, so how could it impact. Of course, you don't have this direct attribution to revenue, but yeah. how it could impact, impact sales pipeline velocity. So basically, how it can help you to shorten the sales cycle, how it can create awareness among your strategic accounts, right? How it can help you to increase your average deal value, how it can help you to increase the number of inbound inquiries or sales qualified opportunities. And then when you'll come with this program, when you'll explain it, when you at least explain how you can create engagement among strategic accounts, because this is what they might be carrying as well. Not just having random 1,000 visitors from the world, but uh, they want to hear how their strategic accounts will hear about your content and consume it, how sales could leverage these insights and at least at least start the conversations with these accounts, connect with these accounts. I'm not going to say that they should spam, you know, and say, hey, Winston, you know, you read my article or you attended my podcast today. So would you like to have a business with me? You know, definitely not this stuff. Right. But uh, this is the key. And the majority of marketers don't have these playbooks. And that's the problem. And when they don't have the playbooks and they don't get approval for their campaigns, they come back and they start blaming their execs that they don't get marketing. But again, my brutal point of view is that they shouldn't get marketing. That's a very good point. And you said something because this is this has always been my my take on this, Andre. This particular topic is you mentioned that wholesales can leverage what they're doing, which is such an important point because one of the things I always say to marketers, because I mean, and this is not bashing marketers. The reason why I want to have this conversation is to help marketers better understand how they can change their mindset, change their, their approach to, to help the company get what they want. And in turn, they can get what they want, which is 
um, more budget and more creative freedom to execute the type of marketing issues that they want to. So I always say the best way and the easiest way to prove marketing's value is to find out how can you um, help sales leverage what you're doing? How can you make sales job easier? So if we're talking about brand, well, rather than talking about how brand can, can help more people learn about the company and its products and what it's doing, as you mentioned, brand um, can help sales in terms of attracting higher deal sizes. It can help um, reduce um, sales cycles. Um, it can help you know, attract more, more qualified leads within the pipeline and help you know, increase pipeline velocity. So these are the type of conversations that, that they need to have. Um, but just, just switching, well, not switching, but you know, staying on the same topic, but what I would love from you right now, because one of the reasons why I love your approach so much, um, Andre, to ABM, because ABM is nothing new to me. ABM content is nothing new to me. But one of the things that really made me gravitate towards your content, first of all, the fact that it's so practical, and that's how I used to judge whether or not someone knows what they're talking about. Um, if you're talking about something at a very vague, high level that a simple Google search can, can help you to find out, um, I don't really consider you that you really know what you're talking about. So I love that about your content. But also the fact that you're not saying, well, um, one of the things that you said is ABM isn't outbound. Um, so, you know, there's this other conversation of inbound versus outbound, marketing versus sales, um, you know, creating demand versus capturing demand. And one of the things I love about your approach is, you're saying, well, it's not an either-or approach. Let's incorporate everything. Let's incorporate both the inbound and the outbound. Let's incorporate both marketing and sales and have that alignment, which leads to the end goal of revenue. So probably if you can break down your process, probably a framework that you can share with us, um, whether you want to talk through or you want to share a screen, whichever the case may be, of how marketers can go about doing that to better align with sales to drive that revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but may I share with you one thing before we'll dive deeply in that uh, all-bound approach? Sure. Um, you worked in sales, right? Right. So we're, we're both sales and marketing at the same time. <laughs> and now look where the biggest problem comes from. Uh, just uh, try to think about your sales experience when you were missing your sales quote right? And you had a pressure from head of sales or VP of sales or chief revenue officer, doesn't matter, who are saying like, Winston, like, what's going on with your pipeline when you'll hit your quota? You have this pressure, right? And you are coming back, you might get some penalties, you know, you, you are getting nervous, you try to do more calls, you try to generate more meetings, you are in hustle, and you have zero support, right? You know that you are alone, and you need to hit your quota. And in meantime, you you see that somebody from marketing team is drinking coffee, you know, discussing some <laughs> new catalogs. Then this person is going to conference or trade show and is sharing nice presentations with uh, different diagrams, with different crafts, etc. What are your thoughts? Definitely you are thinking like, these guys are just wasting our time and, and our budget. And of course, if marketers are doing this stuff, if they are, if they are operating separately from sales and not with sales, you'll always have infamous marketing and sales conflict 
And you'll always have problems with growing the business because the truth is that teams should be aligned. I was on sales side, I switched to marketing and I knew, I understood the sales hurdles and pain points because I was wearing their shoes for five years. And the only way, this is what you were asking about, the only way to prove your marketing to executives and prove the value of marketing is become revenue responsible, is helping sales to generate more meetings, generate more sales qualified opportunities, closing more sales qualified opportunities, and not doing just generic brand awareness campaigns, but doing specific demand generation that will help right. sales. Yes. to land opportunities with your accounts. And now let's go to the second part of your questions about all bound approach. You're absolutely true. Look, so if you are looking, uh, if you are selling low ticket mass market SaaS product, like I don't know, um, G Drive, uh, Asana, Airtable, whatever, five bucks per user, then you can rely simply on search engine optimization. So on organic traffic, on like uh, ads, display ads, pay-per-click, etc. And you don't probably, you don't need, need even sales team at all. You know, you yeah. can purely rely on inbound, but that's not my field. I'm working with companies that are selling high-ticket solutions. So let's say with a contract value of 50K and above. So in this case, you won't be able to rely to these channels because in, in most cases, you'll be dealing with unformed demand. So demand simply doesn't exist. Companies are not actively buying, are not actively looking for your products or your solutions. And if we'll, if we'll set up as an option by default, right? Then you have two problems. If sales just doing purely outbound campaigns, then you are reaching out to accounts that have zero demand. So they basically, basically hitting the wall every time with they could be very creative. They could use the best scripts. They can hire the best sales coach, but they won't generate meetings because there, there is zero demand. I mean, of course, they, they might get miserable bunch of replies, but that's pretty it. And now if marketing will be doing just a purely passive inbound, it would be really hard and you don't have sales, right? So you just create lots of articles. You try to... Uh, let's say, retarget specific accounts. But again, you won't be able to predict the number of inbound inquiries. Nobody can control the inbound traffic and forecast the inbound opportunities, right? That's the first thing. So business and marketing becomes unpredictable. Secondly, if you are selling this complex product, that definitely should be interaction with humans. And that's the role of sales. And the role of sales is not being just a sale, yet another sales rep, as I used to call it, but become trusted advisors. So the prospects, strategic accounts would love to have a call and get, an, let's say, an uh, export feedback on their challenge. And they're looking for help from this sales rep. So sales rep becomes a consultant, a trusted advisor. And this is what marketing should be helping with. So that's why you won't be able to do just pure inbound or pure outbound. You should be doing all bound marketing. You should create this demand, but somebody needs to capture this demand and right. start 
activating strategic accounts. So that's why I remember what we were talking about 10 minutes earlier. I said that sales should start, should open these conversations. They should proactively connect with these strategic accounts. And that's that's the part of this all bound process. If you want, we can nail the six core principles of this framework every team could use um, and easily leverage. I know when you have your services, um, obviously, as you mentioned, people make an investment in your services, investment in marketing, and they're expecting an ROI, and typically as soon as possible. So my, my next question, I guess, which ties into your, your six steps is what can marketers do um, within the shortest space possible to really prove their value by delivering on, on revenue? So uh, probably your, your six-step framework could actually talk a bit more about that. Yeah, so that that framework was about all bound approach, but let's cover how marketers could quickly become revenue responsible. So the first step is really sitting down with sales team. And probably if you are working for mid-sized company or small company, not a case for enterprise, uh, you need to invite somebody of your execs. If you are working for enterprise, then you could do it just with sales team. And you need to dedicate you need to have several meetings with them to nail the ICP. This is something that we have already covered today, right? Then set up account qualification and disqualification criteria. Next one, tier segmentation criteria, because then you have the ICP, but as as we said, all clients, all prospects were not created equal. Some accounts can generate 10 times, 50 times more revenue than others, Right. But the question is why they should be prospected the same way. Makes no sense. But this is what the majority of companies are doing, right? So you need to have the criteria of tier one accounts. And these are the accounts with the highest revenue potential where you'll dedicate more time. You'll be doing more sophisticated, more complex campaigns. You'll personalize more. It's mostly about one-to-one personalization. Uh, then tier two companies with a medium revenue potential and next tier three companies with low revenue potential. So you sit down with sales and nail down everything. The next step is analyzing your CRM going through the most lucrative verticals, uh, the most successful deals, case studies, etc., and coming up with the ideas of ICP so you can refine it, but with data. You can leverage existing data of from your existing customers. And next step, which is highly important and I recommend it to do, uh, is interviewing your customers. All insights about their buying process, what influences their decision, why did they choose your product and why didn't they choose your competitors? How did they were searching for your product? Who was involved in the negotiation process? You know, with whom they advise when they were considering your offer? These are the most important insights that will help you refine your unique value proposition, your message, your outreach, whatever. These are the insights that should be delivered by marketing to sales. And these insights can help you to improve, to refine your marketing and sales processes. So this is the easiest, without launching any campaigns, these are the most important steps. And next one is sitting down with sales after you prove this data and then building this list for sales just for you don't need to say that it would be pilot campaign you can collect 10 accounts for tier one 10 accounts for tier two and let's say tier accounts for tier three and again discuss with sales 
Does it make sense, guys? Do you think this, did we do the right account list building? Do you agree with this account, uh, accounts that we selected and segmented? And when you get the approval, then you can ask, guys, I have several ideas how to land opportunities with these accounts, but I need your help. I want to launch some pilot ABM campaign and I need your help. I would map out the entire campaign and this will help us to land opportunities in some, uh, let's say, in, 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 as the first step to prove your value, you need to generate net new revenue. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, I'm saying because you can do whatever you want with demand generation, but if, if uh, sales and executives don't see net new revenue, they will cut your campaign in a couple of months. Just believe me. So that's why I, I said that you need to prove that it works. And now you launch it when they get an approval and buy in from sales, you can start planning your pilot campaign. And after this, if this campaign was successful, right, you can also learn a lot. You can refine the campaign. You can discuss the campaign's details with sales and do the analysis together. And then you can, if you want, you can implement new solutions. You can talk about demand generation, something that we can cover. Or you can, if you did the customer interviews, you can just extract the knowledge and create detailed case studies and now present it to sales. You can create sales enablement content for them. Let's say if you are prospecting IT companies, uh, like let's took the example that we shared, software development companies, right? You can create specific job role benefits. So let's say benefits for CEO for purchasing your product or services, benefits for CTO, benefits for, I don't know, product manager, etc. The document that comprehensively answer all the most common concerns your prospects might have. And you even didn't ask sales. You only, what you can do is just simply ask them, you know, what are the most common objections you hear, guys, when you run demo calls or discovery calls? What are the most common documentation your prospects are asking, you know? Can you also share what, uh, how you closed this deal? What did you say? What what were your main arguments? And then you document everything and give it to sales. And that's, that's a fantastic help because sales simply don't have time for this, right? And this is how you can become revenue responsible in the first 90 days, even without doing anything. You can, your, let's say your final delivery would be a list of accounts with all the things that I just have shared. List of accounts, orchestration of a pilot program i forecast on how many sales qualified opportunities you uh, expect from this campaign and then you can start executing and getting buy in from sales but look the first 90 days and the tasks that i just have shared they are all about sales process right they are all about revenue they are all the things that might help sales to close more deals or generate more revenue. And this is the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that. I, I have the similar um, view as well. That matter of fact, I was having a conversation with someone who started a marketing position, a junior marketing position over the weekend, but it's the first marketing um, hire that the company has. And one of the things I share with him, because he said, well, he wants to launch a PR campaign. Huh? So, well... Here's the thing about it. Um, I would start bottom of funnel first. Rather than doing top brand awareness, top of funnel brand awareness type marketing activity, um, focus exactly the same thing that you said. Um, go to the sales team, figure out what opportunities already exist in the pipeline and see how you can help them close those. Because 
you need to prove your value as quickly as possible, especially if it's our first time marketing hire. It means that they've grown the company to this level without marketing. So you need to show them why this investment um, makes sense for them to continue um, investing in marketing. Uh, but Andre, definitely, I, I, love, I love this conversation so much. Uh, may need to bring on, 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 on a later um, episode. But for now, as we close out, is there anything that you want to, to leave marketers with? Um, centered around this, this same idea, just to help them how they can demonstrate and prove um, their value within the organization. Anything that you can leave them with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I could share one uh, lesson that um, probably um, you need, I, I don't want to. I don't want you to learn this the hard way. I want you just to apply it. So don't <laughs> skip the fundamentals. Do the hard work. Okay. Do this ground work for sales. Become revenue responsible from day one. Don't jump into tactics right from the bat. Don't jump in purchasing software saying, hey, I need this tech, etc. Ignore this. Ignore the brand awareness and all of this stuff. Do the ground work and do something that will help sales to generate more revenue. This is how you can prove the value of marketing. This is how you can get buy-in. And when they start seeing the results, just believe me, the value of marketing will increase and you'll get more power, you'll get more budget, and you'll get the most important fact. You'll get more support from executives and sales, and it would be way easier to onboard them and involve them in your demand generation programs, print awareness, etc. This is the key thing I could advise. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. What a way to close out. Andre, thank you so much. And if people need to reach you, where, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, they could type simply Andre Zinkevich. There is only one bold guy with that name, so <laughs> they won't miss me. Uh, just type fullfunnel.io slash blog. We have lots of articles on account-based marketing, so I believe you'd love to read this content, guys. Awesome. And just to be to clear, guys, um, it's Andre spelled A-N-D-R-E-I. Um, just to be clear. And I also want to throw one more plug in there for you, Andre, your, your trenches community on, on Slack. Um, definitely, if you're a marketing profession, professional, you want to be a part of that. Um, really, some great conversations that happens on that Slack channel. Thank you so much for mentioning it. Indeed, for everybody who is getting their hands dirty in B2B marketing trenches is a go-to community for you. You are welcome. Awesome. Thanks again, Andre. Great having you on. Great conversation. Loved every minute of it. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. All the best. Cheers. This has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Join us next week where we have more amazing content to help you demonstrate, communicate, and prove your value at the C-suite level. I'm Winston, your host, and this is a wrap.